Hello and welcome to the Oregonian Sports Podcast. I'm Bill Oram. Talking Beavers today, joined by Nick Dashel, our man in Corvallis, our man in Vancouver who spends considerable amount of his time in Corvallis. I Nick, am in Corvallis. How are we doing? So, so you you have the first part right. Perfect. Well, if I had taken the time to text you before our before our um, before we recorded this, I would have known that. And hey, if you're interested in texting Nick Dashel as well, why don't you go ahead and shoot a text to 503-386-0095. Now that's not Nick Dashel's personal phone number. What that is, is a is a number that will direct you to our new texting service that will allow you direct contact to all the Oregonian sports reporters. That's right, 503-386-0095. Just text the word join to that number and you'll get a, a link to sign up for our texting service. Uh, it is the first two weeks are free. After that, three ninety nine a month. Pretty darn affordable, if you ask me. Insights direct from all of us here at the Oregonian to your text message inbox. Messages from people like myself, Bill Oram, uh, Nick Dashel, James Crepia on the Ducks, Nick Strang on high schools has been all over it uh, during the state playoffs, and of course Ryan Clark on the. Timbers and Thorns, Timbers with a new Jersey logo sponsor announcement this morning, and the great, prolific Aaron Fentress with all of your Blazers updates as well. So again, Nick, what's that number? He doesn't know. 503-386-0095. Text the word join and get all the information you need to sign up. Free for two weeks, $3.99 after that per month okay nick the beeves oh you were gonna say something go ahead no i just felt like uh i just felt like we should probably start off with the elephant in the room which is um i don't know our i don't know if our our our, our readers and listeners know this but bill is quite the grizz fan montana grizzly fan and guess what he wants to do saturday so we're going. So so we drive down together for the washing. It starts at four thirty. I get this text. We got to be there at eleven. Why? Because we got to watch Montana State in Montana. So this guy wants me to get on the road at nine o'clock for a four thirty game so we can watch a freaking Grizz and Cats go at it. What say you, Bill? I say that Montana is ranked number three in the FCS poll. Montana State is ranked number four. Um, it is a historic traditional rivalry that, by the way, is not going away because it hasn't been killed by realignment yet. Um, Montana has its best team probably in the last ugh, several years. Uh, I think probably the best teams of, of the Bobby Houck era part. Um, and, you know, it's a it's a rivalry that I think, you know, fans of Oregon and Oregon State can relate to a, a lot as well, where you have, you know, you have um, uh, a lot of you know, a lot of state pride, a lot of identity wrapped up in it, a lot of, um, a lot of cu- cultural themes, Missoula, the more liberal, um, granola town and, and Bozeman, you know, traditionally has been the more working class agriculture land grant school. Um, so, you know, that's obviously changed thanks to Yellowstone and Kevin Costner to some degree, but, uh, just a great rivalry. And, and this Montana team has, has been a lot of fun to watch all year. If you've seen me in the press box at, at an Oregon or Oregon state game, and there's happened to be a little bit of a conflict, I might have a small window open on my computer link to that Montana game. And, you know, I will say, you know, I grew up in the state of Oregon. Um, you know, have a lot of love for the teams here, was a fan of the teams here growing up. You lose a lot of that when you become a sports writer and it just necessarily, you have to put a lot of that aside. And, and so, you know, especially in, in this job, you know, I'm, you know, I am a, 
an impartial observer on all things, whether it's Blazers, Beavers, Ducks, Timbers, and and my Montana fandom, my Montana um, love as an alum of the University of Montana is the one thing I still allow myself as a fan. And so this Saturday, huge game, huge amounts of fun, um, brings back a lot of really fond memories for me. And I'm really excited to um, create a new memory with you, it's, Nick. It's even, a, uh, it's even sitting it's, somewhere in the bowels it's of Dill kind of a rivalry yeah. on the uh, on the Oregon State coaching staff. You got you know Jim Halchek, the coach at Montana State, and I mean it. We, Yep. Both of us have brought it up with him before, and there's no question he has got no love for your Grizz. Uh, and well, and, and Jonathan Smith was the offensive coordinator right. at and Montana. I think there's yeah. a couple others that have, that have spent some time at, at those schools. So, <laughs> yeah. well, and Brian, and I would just say Brian Lindgren I at. Uh, the offensive coordinator did play, uh, was a prolific quarterback at Idaho. Um, and he was the, um, uh, you know, he was 0-3 against the Grizz in his playing day. So I think, you know, if you're looking for people who would be rooting against the Grizz on Saturday or all Saturdays, Brian Lindgren is probably on yeah. that list too. And Montana, by the way, knocked off Idaho in a really big tilt earlier this season. I dare call it a showdown. Do you think um, listening now that we've talked okay. about Montana, Montana State? You know, I kind of thought I was going to like start this off with a rant about the teacher strike in Portland because I am at my absolute wits end. Um, and, you know, love my love our teachers, want want the best for our teachers. I've got two kids to put through Portland public schools. And I, um, you know, know that, you know, this short term pain is going to be good for the long term intellectual health of my kids. So support our teachers. Absolutely. But my God, my seven year old came in this morning at like 3 a.m., said he was going to take a bath. And I'm pretty sure has been watching Christmas movies on Disney Plus ever since then. I think we have exhausted the entire library of Christmas movies on all the major streaming platforms. I think we're going to have to switch to Hallmark soon. So that's what's been happening in my house over the course of the teacher strike. Nick, as the father of teachers, I'm sure you have um, lots of empathy for all yes, sides. Yes, I here. do. Uh, I, I spent several months <laughs> okay. at home with three of them in the house during COVID. One of them in one, one of them in one, one of them, they were in three separate rooms doing their classes or doing a class of some sort. So, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, Nick, let's let, let's go ahead and turn this, our attention to the beeves. That's why people are here if they're here. Um, and I think we have to start with, uh, you know, the, you know, obviously the over the, the the overarching theme of this week is is one of the biggest games in Oregon State history. The Beavers are eleventh in the um, CFP, facing hosting the number five Washington Huskies. Washington has the inside track at a CFP bid in the Pac-12 right now. I think you have to think that, considering they have the upper hand on Oregon after the head-to-head. A lot can change over the next few weeks, and Oregon State, I mean, is kind of the the the, the straw that stirs the drink right now. Um, Oregon State hosts Washington, goes to Oregon State. Or excuse me, goes to Oregon State, hosts Washington, goes to Oregon. I, I've looked at all the tiebreaker scenarios. The best I can tell, if Oregon State wins both these games, they're going to be in the Pac-12 championship game. I don't know if this is that Beaver team, Nick. I'm not sure that this is a team that is going to go beat back-to-back top five opponents uh, in the last two weeks of the season. There, you know, been there are some some holes, um, but they're still really dang good. And I think you know where I looked, you know going into this Washington game is you've got the, you know, they lead the conference in interceptions and they're tied for the conference lead in sacks. So if they're able to get at Michael Penix jr, this secondary, which has had some, you know, flaws this year is good enough to make him pay and, and to turn the ball over. Uh, how are you looking at this uh, Titanic 
yeah, tilt. I, I definitely think the of the two Northwest. games coming up. This this one is the most gettable of the two. You know, for a couple of reasons. Yeah, Washington, Washington's good. There's no no question about it. But this isn't the juggernaut that was running over teams. Um, you know, by large margins early in the season, they finally run into competition, and 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 they've had the they've had the show all their cards to, to, to hang on to some of these games. They're good and, and they're capable of beating Oregon state at Reeser, but Oregon state, just such a different team at Reeser. They, they just, their, their defense is, is, is different. They, they, they're a little bit more efficient on offense. Damian Martinez seems to get a spark going Fenwick. Um, I mean, I have a pick. I actually did not make a pick on this game on, in the Monday uh, preview of Washington because I just, wasn't a hundred percent sure, but I'm 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 leaning Oregon State at this point. I, I that's that's where I'm leaning, and you know I I just think it's going to come down to Oregon State how much they can run the ball. If they can run the ball a lot, they're real effective there. They're going to limit they're going to limit Michael Penix's opportunities on the field, and that's that's kind of a key to the game, keeping him on the sideline as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, if Oregon State is able to, like you said, run the ball, chew up time of possession, something we've seen them do with um, with quite a bit of success, and you know, and force a turnover somewhere in there. I mean, they did pick him off once last year. I will say that that was in conditions that you're probably not going to be able to recreate this weekend in Corvallis. I mean, that was downright, you know, near a typhoon. Um, but. I'm actually pulling up the weather right now because I actually haven't looked at it. But on Saturday, it's going to be rainy. It's going to be chilly. Um, and, you know, I think, I mean, I don't know if that necessarily works to one team's favor more than the other in the Pacific Northwest, except for the fact that Oregon State is going to be at home. Familiar environs, like you said, dark, wet at Reeser Stadium. I feel like that favors uh, Oregon State in almost any situation. And also, I trust Oregon State more on the ground than than Washington. Um, Oregon State's not going to part uh, – like uh, like USC's uh, front did for uh, Washington's running game. So I, I think I, I'm going to pick Oregon State in this game too. And I think I might be picking with my heart just a little bit because I want um, I want the, the last game of the year in Eugene to have to be for all the marbles. Frankly, I want, you know, I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of attachment to, you know, the I don't know. I, I don't know the, the erstwhile civil war, the big football game. And I want the last one uh, of, of these circumstances to be as meaningful as possible. And, and, you know, I mean, we, without getting into this, cause I've talked about it ad nauseum, you know, I, I, I recorded a show with James Crepia the other day and, you know, he you know, was kind of like this game, the, the, you know, the Oregon, Oregon state game is going to get resumed and it's going to still be a big game. And it's you know not going to matter that it's not in the pac 12. And I just disagree. I just, I think that the fact that it's not going to be in the pac 12 is it's never going to be the same. It might be, it might be something that is separately good or something that we it separately are able to enjoy and appreciate and, and assign real meaning to, but in terms of what it has meant, you know, as being, you know, multiple times throughout history for the, for the PAC 12 title. Um, and certainly the state title. Um, I, 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 I am very sad that this is coming to an end. So I want Oregon state to beat Washington. Um, so we get that one more time, but also, uh, yeah, I, think the I, are good a, I just do I think, not understand the pushback on social media from duck fans about this, about this, I, I get it from Oregon State because, you know, they've they've you know, they feel jilted in this whole thing and, and they blame Oregon and 
there's some reason to, for them to, to feel that way, whether they're right or wrong. But the Oregon people, I just don't get it. Why, why they're so, why, why they just don't feel like it's, Oregon State's worthy of their time and whatnot. It's like they're root. Some of them are just rooting for them to go to the big sky or something. And I, I, they must not have spent enough Saturdays in, in football stadiums in the last, in the last game of the season in November to, to appreciate what they're going to be missing if this series goes away. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, and we've, we've exhausted sort of the, the potential for the game getting moved around and all that. And, you know, where that could be, and could it be as early as 2024? Um, you know, Oregon state, I think has been more transparent about that than Oregon. I think Oregon has off, mostly offered platitudes um, that has been, I think I would I would dare say has been more about marketing and plausible deniability than actually working toward a solution, at least based on what they've said publicly. But, um, you know, here's hoping that they figure something out. Um, okay, but as it relates to Oregon State, Washington this weekend, one thing that we will not be getting in Corvallis, we're going to get rain, we're going to get wind, we're going to get a great football game, we're going to get Nick Daschle's best lead of the season, I'm sure. Uh, one thing we're not going to get is college game day uh, on campus, and that has obviously um, been a bitter pill uh, among Beaver fans. I've heard from them. You've heard from them. There is a real sense, you know, and I think this there's a real sense that this is just sort of a continued sign of disrespect against Oregon State, that Oregon State is not worthy of a big-time football conference and now not of a big-time football um, spotlight. And, uh, you know... I could certainly get on board with a James Madison University uh, college game day. James Madison's a great story this year, you know. And again, going back to my FCS Montana roots, I've I've been very engaged with a lot of games against James Madison in the middle of December in the in the FCS playoffs. I mean, yeah. tremendous football program has had an incredible uh, uh, sort of arrival in the in the uh, FBS. Um, undefeated won't be bowl eligible as a condition of its transition to the FBS. Um, you know, they're obviously petitioning to get that overturned. Um, it's a real, it's a real college football story deserving of a spotlight. That said, I just can't quite see how anyone could be sitting in a boardroom and rationalizing a decision to say, if we are basing this on going to the best football game of the week and the biggest story in college football, I don't know where those two things could possibly intersect better than in Corvallis for Oregon State, Washington. So it just seems to me that there's there's something that we don't know about how those decisions get made. But I also go back to something I wrote yesterday, which is maybe we just assign too much value to where ESPN decides to host its TV show every week. But I do feel like the, the measure they seem to use throughout the entire season is the best game of the week. That's how you end up at an Ohio State, Notre Dame or, you know, you know, all these huge games, how is that, you know, so you set the expectation that that's what you're basing your decisions on. And then you get a game like this, you know, number 11 number versus number five, the end of the PAC 12, you know, and 108 year history, um, huge CFP implications, huge Heisman implications. And you say, Hey, James Madison's playing uh, Appalachian state in Harrisonburg. Uh, that's where we're going to plant our flag. What say you? Yeah, I mean, you kind of said it all there. I, I, yeah, the James Madison thing just makes no sense, and there's something we don't know, and, and they're not saying, because they are a great story. But ESPN was there in 2015, they were there in 2017, and there is no way on earth that James Madison 
even if they're getting shot out of a bowl game, is a bigger story than this game in Corvallis. It's the combination of a you know number five versus number eleven. Now the F with the CFP rankings five ten. If you're going by AP, the, the combination of that and the fact that Oregon State is in the situation that's in with the with the conference realignment. I mean. That's just it, it. It's it's mind-boggling how how that decision was made. But with the fan, with Oregon State fans, this is there's only one there's only one reason they're upset. They they want validation. They want they want the national people yep. to see their their program. You know, we're they want to be on the map. There's some of them that think that if game day comes, you know, Oregon State plays well, they they win a game, and they and they could do this in the national spotlight. That somehow the Big Twelve is going to come to their doorstep and say, "Come on down." Uh, it's, that's not yeah. going to happen, but I, that that's that's some of the thinking there is if they make a run here late in the season, somehow they're going to be so attractive. The Big Twelve is going to bring them. In. It's it, that's just not a decision. I I honestly don't believe the Big Twelve makes that decision. The Big Ten makes that decision. That's Fox and ESPN that makes that decision. Because if they're not coughing up more yeah. money, the Big Twelve is not is not gonna is not gonna invite them to the conference. But I, that's that's what's driving some of this with with Oregon State fans is they want as much spotlight yeah. as possible. So maybe there's a chance they can get in one of these Power Five conferences. Um, and, you know, I'll say I'm not a big Pat McAfee fan. There's a lot of things I find to be distasteful about his entire. Uh, bro um, Just his entire approach to it. Um, but he's certainly engaging and entertaining. And I did appreciate, I think, and I think a lot of Oregon State fans did um, sort of his perspective on this. And I mean, I, I, man, I mean, talk about not being, not, not towing the company line. <laughs> Pat McAfee's on his show this week saying that he wishes that, that they were bringing the show to Corvallis, that he thought they were going to Corvallis, that he's disappointed they're not going to be in Corvallis, that, um, that he's heard from thousands of Oregon state fans who are upset. They're not going to Corvallis and only like five or six JMU fans who are happy. They're coming to Harrisonburg. So, I mean, he's certainly uh, at least playing it up for Oregon state fans, which I think, probably uh is appreciated in all this disrespect and lack of validation that you're talking about i um you know i i think it's unfortunate just because there was an opportunity to showcase um you know that oregon state is not some backwater you know forgotten uh you know juco and you know there was one time earlier this year where i thought there was a real chance for some exposure in the form of college game day. And that was the, the pack two championship, the truce yeah. and the Palouse uh, up in Pullman. You and I were both there and you know, it was week four. Um, those schools were both undefeated, both ranked um, <laughs> when Washington state had a pulse, but um, you know, that was up against Notre Dame and, and Ohio state for like the eighth time ever. And we understood that, you know, it's like, Hey, that's a, you know, big time college football uh, blue bloods uh, decision. But I don't know. And, and you know, if Oregon State were to beat Washington, you know, I mean, for the last big football game uh, against against Oregon a week later would be perfect, except for that game's on a Friday. So that doesn't make sense either. So, um, you know, I mean, Oregon State wants that national exposure. The only way to get it is to beat Washington, uh, certainly set up a, a huge game against the Ducks and, and force your way into that Pac-12 championship game, because that is certainly possible. Although I do think that game in Autzen on the 24th, a day after Thanksgiving, is going to. I just think the Ducks are no, really I good. Too. Um, yeah. And, you know, 
Yeah, and James <clears throat> James and I broke that down on our our Ducks podcast this week, and I thought he he said it well, which is you know when those two teams get together, you know they're both going to play to their strengths, and it just feels like this year the Ducks have more of yeah, them than no the Beavers. Um, and so, uh, okay, so that's game day. Um, so you and I were both uh, uh, tuned in yesterday for the. Um, for the Gary Libby comedy hour, Gary Libby, for those who don't know, is the uh, Superior Court Judge of Whitman County, Washington, and he has become a key player, a key figure in the realignment saga involving the Pac-12. Yesterday, uh, Oregon State and Washington State sought their preliminary injunction to gain access to uh, the assets of the Pac-12 and control of the board of the Pac-12. A whole lot of uh, grandstanding and uh, legal rhetoric from the Pac-12's attorney, from an attorney representing Washington and the rest of the 10 teams in the Pac-12, the departing schools. And then you had uh, an attorney for Oregon State and Washington State making the case. Uh, Cut to the chase. Uh, Gary Leiby, the judge up there ruled in favor of Oregon State and Washington State. They get control of the board. They have to notify the other 10 schools when they're meeting and provide an agenda. And those schools are available to give um, feedback, but they certainly don't have any binding power or voting power on the board. The 10 schools are going to appeal to the Washington Supreme Court. Um, But the the way I understood it, Nick, and you might have followed this even more closely than I did, so please correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong, but the way I took it was essentially that this preliminary injunction was based on the fact that any legal proceeding was likely to find that Oregon State and Washington State would be given control of the board, so that is sort of the temporary sort of um, ruling. What does that mean? What action can Oregon State and Washington State take now, and what... um, what and, and just what kind of power does this give them in the um i don't want to say the long run because they don't have that long of a runway but the the um the the, the intermediate in the big picture and sort of the intermediate run. well i i, I think they can they can I, I don't want to say they can comp as confidently as 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 humanly possible but they can they can march ahead pretty confidently toward figuring out putting this conference back together over the over the long haul but it's got to start with next season. They got to, they got to figure out immediately how to get this football thing figured out, and that's going to have to happen in what do we got three about three weeks till December fourth when the transfer portal opens. So, you know, John or, um, Scott Barnes said told me yesterday he was dry, he was actually, he actually drove to Colfax and then drove back home. So I talked to him when he when he left Colfax, and you know he wants to be able to tell Jonathan like pretty much as soon as the season's over what's going to happen so he has time to talk to the players before that December 4th deadline um, now I don't know what happens honestly if Oregon State gets in the Pac-12 championship game because that would kind of wipe out that time you have with your players to talk to them but still um, so you're saying the best thing for Oregon State would be to not make the Pac-12 championship game? Uh, well, no, of course not. But I'm just saying that would be an interesting <laughs> dynamic. That he wouldn't he wouldn't have time to sit down and talk to those players about it. But but uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 didn't you get the impression? I mean, could you believe how quickly that Judge Leiby just said, you know, finally when they all when when the University of Washington lawyer ran out of oxygen and and 
and the Pac-12 guys finally ran out with their <laughs> lame arguments. It was just like, he just went, okay, here's my decision. I, he didn't even take a second to think about it. It was like he well, knew what he was going to rule like from the get-go almost. Well, I think it is from the get-go, and it is one of those things where I'm, you know, I don't spend a lot of time in courtrooms. Um, you know, I have family members who are attorneys, and you know, the judge has had two months to prepare his his thoughts and his remarks on this. Um, you know, everything has been filed in advance. You know, he has, there's all the, um, you know, he has he has all he has everybody's side provided months in advance. I don't think, I don't, I think everybody had an opportunity to be heard in court. Um, but I don't think there was any swaying happening in that courtroom. I think I think Judge Leiby could have uh, could have probably sat down at the start of that hearing and said, "If you'd like to save everybody a lot of tr- uh, trouble and wind, I'll tell you what's going to happen here today." Um, but you know, of course, that's not what happened, and a lot of people got got to, got to see it unfold and 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 hear and hear kind of where everybody was coming at it from. Um, you know, I thought there were a lot of bad faith arguments um, from. You know, the Pac-12 claims to be neutral on this. Pac-12 does not feel it seem neutral on this. And the University of Washington, just a lot of, you know, bad faith arguments about what those schools, you know, need and what those schools are entitled to, where, you know, it's like, yeah, sure, you'd rather have, you know, X number of dollars, but you're going to a conference where you're going to get, you're going to be, the coffers are going to be full. That's why you're going to these other conferences. Um, and whereas, you know, Oregon State and Washington State, for them, it's existential. So um, nobody else is facing that kind of plight. So um, I think it was a good day for Oregon State and Washington State. Well, um, it sets them up to actually have a little bit I, of agency going what's, forward. What's, what's, what's ultimately going to happen is, you know, we, we heard the, the nearly three hours in court of all the arguments and whatnot. The Pac-12 and, and University of Washington people had z- zero arguments they really had no argument so where are they going to go from here they could keep pushing this thing but every time they push it the lawyers are, are handing bills over to the schools saying, you know pay up and at what at some point you, you just got to believe there's going to be a settlement there has to be because right. you, you just can't keep running up these lawyers i mean somebody made the made the calculation yesterday there was like i don't know was there a dozen a dozen attorney i don't know so there was something like a dozen attorneys in the room at you know let's say four hundred dollars an hour you know it's like four or five thousand dollars an hour of attorneys in the room and it's like you know and that's just in the courtroom not the not doesn't even count the preparation and all that and it's like how much how much money do you want to spend to chase this chase these dollars that a that appears to be going in Oregon state and Washington state's favor. So how about settling and getting some money from this year and move on? Yeah. Nick, one thing that is, it is, it is officially coaching carousel season, which is, uh, you know, I mean, it's as much of a tradition in this world as, um, as being angry about the CFP and bull projections and Heisman arguments. And, it does feel like the Jimbo Fisher firing at Texas A&M really got this going in earnest. Uh, it's been a bigger story with Oregon, where Dan Lanning has had to reject the idea that he would be interested in the Texas A&M job replacing Jimbo Fisher. Um, I will say this is unrelated to Oregon State, but I did write something in the summer about Dan Lanning and wow, that $20 million buyout. What a big deterrent that $20 million buyout for Dan Lanning is for any schools that might want to hire, hire Dan Lanning. And then you see Texas A&M go pay $76 million to get rid of Jimbo Fisher. And all of a sudden, Dan Lanning's $20 million doesn't feel like that big of an impediment. Um, but I do think that you know Dan Lanning has, has really 
drawn a, a, a line in the sand about the fact that he's not going to leave Oregon. Um, and I tend to believe him. Now, things can change, obviously, but I, I do take him at face value on that, at least for now, at least kind of in this moment in history. I feel less confident about Jonathan Smith, which feels counterintuitive because Jonathan Smith feels like more of a lifer at Oregon State than Dan Lanning does at Oregon, right? Jonathan Smith, deep roots. It fits him, you know, personality wise, culturally, you know, he's not a big, you know, a big city flash, um, you know, guy. I think he likes to just be in a place where he can just coach football and go win football games, but he needs the resources to be able to win. And as of this moment, you know, Wednesday, November 15th, you know, you can't say with certainty that he's going to have those those resources and certainly not the same level of resources that he's had in his first five, six seasons in Corvallis. A lot of good jobs opening up. There's a lot of good jobs that are open now. Um, you know, Mississippi State, the latest, Michigan State, Northwestern, uh, UCLA is a is a strong possibility just because of where the way things have gone with Chip Kelly. Jonathan Smith is from L.A. Uh, we do this a lot. Oregon State gave Jonathan Smith an extension last year. They gave him a raise uh, last year after the 10-win season. Um, they've obviously deeply committed to him and his staff. But when your athletic department budget gets totally gutted, um, can you keep can you keep paying to keep your guy? And will he still have the resources that he needs to have to um, to keep his players, to keep his coaches? This is a very long-winded buildup, Nick. But uh, you know, where do you fall on kind of the future with Jonathan Smith and Oregon State as you see the college landscape sort of starting to open up? And do you think we will get a similar? sort of level of commitment from Jonathan that we heard from Dan Lanning. Would it be wise for him to make that level of commitment at this point, given all the uncertainties, the floor is yours. Well, I'm up. I'm, I'm, I've made a request to talk to him today about, about after now that there's a decision and I don't want to ask him, you know, are you interested in this job or that job? I, what I want to know is what will it take in Oregon state to keep you here? What's going to keep you interested in being in Oregon state? And, and what do you need to see? And then also, what do the players need to see? What do you feel like the players need to see? Because, you know, those those are the questions that need to be asked because I think he wants to stay at Oregon State. He loves Corvallis. He likes raising his kids there. Yeah. He doesn't really want to be in the – I don't honestly think he wants to be in a place like UCLA or Texas A&M or Michigan State where it's more media scrutiny and and whatnot. He, 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 likes, he likes coaching ball. And he doesn't really want to spend a lot of time explaining, you know, ball. So um, I, I think if he can work it out in Corvallis, it's where he'd want to be. But if he doesn't feel like he can win at, at a high level, he'll, he'll definitely be moving on. Now, whether that's the NFL or college, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so I think these next couple of weeks are going to be pretty crucial for Scott Barnes and – and Jonathan Smith in terms of where this football program is headed next year and the next five, seven years, really. Because, you know, if Jonathan isn't around, I, you know, they build, they build a foundation, but I don't know, you know, who knows how much of that they can keep. As we've seen at Oregon State, it can fall apart pretty fast. You know, Mike Riley had it going, and then he didn't, and then it collapsed. So, um you know, all it would take is 25 or 30 guys walking out the door to other schools, and those are hard to replace. So, like I said, these things. Yeah, yeah. If, you were to lose, if you were to lose a bunch of guys in the portal this year, 
and you lose Jonathan Smith and you're starting over kind of in a, a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a free fall, a little bit of a nebulous situation a year from now. Um, that feels like it might be hard to, to find a foothold. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the, the, in addition to Jonathan, I mean, there's some pretty key assistants you want to be able to hang on to too, like Jim Alchak and, and Trent Bray and, you know, Brian Lindgren, those, those three guys there are, are shoot. I mean, they're, they're as important to this program as any, as anybody. And, you know, I, I would argue that Mahalchek's probably the most important guy of all, just because of the success Oregon State's had with their offensive line. I mean, if you could just pick one position to be good at, offensive line is the place to be. And, and they've been really good at it. So that's, you know, he's a, he's a, a, a key guy too. So, like I said, these next few weeks will be pretty interesting to see where this heads with, with Scott and, and Jonathan in terms of their conversations. What is, I mean, what, what, can, what can Scott Barnes do in the next three weeks? What, what, what do you, what did you think that he can show demonstrate? What can he tangibly provide that gives um, stability to, well, to the program? I, I think once he has a better handle on what assets that, that they will be able to get their hands on with the Pac-12 and he can he can he can lay out a, a, a vision to Jonathan that this is what the Pac whatever you want to call it 8 10 whatever they want to rebuild it it's not going to happen overnight you know what what it would look like you know how you know what we're looking for for exposure from media network you know media rights and things like that and 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 where where you know what opportunities they might have who could they play you know those sorts of things i i think i think he can put that together pretty quickly at least to give him a, a vision now i mean maybe jonathan's here for a year to, on a let's see how this works and then you know and then we'll see but um uh, he i don't think scott could sell sell him certainty but he could sell him a vision do you think that's anything that we are hearing publicly in the next few weeks, is does that vision get 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 shared publicly, or is this going to be, be continue to be behind closed doors and, and kind of leave the rest of us um, wondering? Well, I mean, I would hope we're going to hear you know hear as much as we can you know find out, but no, we're probably not going to hear everything. Eventually, we will, but but I don't think immediately we're going to hear everything. But I'm going to try to find out as much as I can because. Well, that's what you do, Nick. We know we know that you're you're you again as our man in Corvallis. We know that you are uh, on top of the story. I, I guess I was just wondering if if there was a need from Barnes to signal that progress in some way to fans as well. Um, if if those conversations that keep players here can be handled internally, or if there needs to be sort of a public showing of of um, direction. Um, um, I mean, I mean, maybe it's really, a little bit of both. What the public wants to hear is Jonathan sticking around. The players are sticking around. I don't know the fans need to know everything that's going to happen. I think that's going to come out over time. But if they know that Jonathan's sticking around, and the and the most of the players are going to are going to are going to be back, I think that, that that would make them you know fairly happy. I mean, obviously, fans want to know as much as they could, they could find out, but. But, um, yeah, I, I think those two pieces of news would be the most welcome to people. 
Nick, I think I've exhausted all the questions I have for you today, but there might be listeners who have questions for Nick Daschle. And if you have questions for Nick, our man in Corvallis, or James Crepe, our man in Eugene, or our people who are covering sports all across the state of Oregon, why don't you go ahead and shoot us a text? Do you remember that number? I'll tell you again. It was 503-386-0095. That's right. Shoot a text with the word JOIN to 503-386-0095. You'll get a link to sign up to our free texting service. I say free. It's free for the first two weeks. Give it a try. Try it on. See how it feels on you. If you like it, after that's only going to be three ninety nine a month. Three ninety nine a month. That's I don't know, Nick. What costs three ninety nine? Something at Starbucks, and it was almost five bucks. So it's less than that. Less, less than, than Starbucks. what? Less the, than my the something less that than my, so some, my pumpkin chai here that I just got. So yeah, it's less than that. Pumpkin it's, chai. It's, a, it's it's iced chai with pumpkin cream on top of it yeah try it's good i know it's a little soft for you you're mr hardcore grizz guy but uh you you just want if it, do, if it doesn't have the, whiskey in it it's black not coffee. coffee and <laughs> oh you know what else you know what else you need to ask people since you know you, you you're gonna push this montana montana state thing on saturday which I still haven't decided what we're going to do, but where, where would, where would people watch in Corvallis? You, you suggest the squirrels, but yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it is ESPN plus by the way. So it's going to be a little, tough, a little tough for kids. Oh, oh, that's the other thing people are really mad about, about the JMU game, by the way, is that if, if the James Madison game was such a big deal, it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't have been, um, it wouldn't have been assigned to lowly ESPN plus if the game actually mattered, it wouldn't be on ESPN plus. So, um, but ESPN plus is a great place for a game. Just ask Montana, Montana state. And uh, you know, that's a good question. I mean, listen, I can just watch it on my phone and you know, as we're driving, as we're driving through Woodburn, but that just doesn't sound very fun. I think we should find a place in Corvallis. That is a great question. If you're in Corvallis, if you are, if you've made it this far in the podcast, you better know a lot about Corvallis. <laughs> Tell you what, um, let us know where you think that Nick and I should post up to watch Montana, Montana State. You could even come through and and say hello to us on Saturday morning or early afternoon before we head over to Reeser. Um, that's right, Nick. I'm gonna I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna make you meet your your adoring public. Um, and if you have any thoughts on that, the best way to get us that information, it's not on Twitter. I mean, X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, or it's on threads or Blue Sky or Post or Mastodon. No. The best way to give us your, your thoughts on where we should watch the Montana-Montana State game on Saturday in Corvallis is by shooting us a text to 503-386-0095. Start by texting the word JOIN. That'll get you a link. $3.99 after two, free two weeks. But then let us know where you think we should be watching that game. That'll pop right in here to both Nick and I. We'll take it under advisement. Maybe we'll even make it a little bit of a thing uh, throughout the week uh, if we hear from you. So, um, Nick, I think that people now know to send a text message to 503-386-0095. Is there anything use car salesman? <laughs> Is there anything else that, hey, I just, listen, I, unlike unlike Pat McAfee, do tow the company line. Um, Nick, anything else you want to leave your adoring public with before we sign off for this week? You said you're going to pick the I Beavers against Washington. I'm leaning I've got the Beavers against I didn't say I was going to, but I'm leaning that way. Where are you? Oh, my God. You can't, you can't you do a heel turn what now. What are you picking? Where, which one? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm taking the Beavers because I and, and like I said, voting with both my head and heart on that one. Um, 
but I do think that the Beavers are are dominant enough at home. Um, you know, they have been playing um, clean enough offensively. I think they have the ability to control the line of scrimmage. I think they're going to move the ball um, on the ground. I think they're going to be able to chew up some clock. That obviously is going to be the game plan. And I think the defense is good enough to force some mistakes from Michael Penix, who, by the way, just hasn't been. I know he's everybody's Heisman favorite still, um, but I I just feel like he has not been so flawless that you can't um, you can't get after him a little bit. And maybe I'll maybe I'll live to regret those words. But, um, you know, Oregon State has seen him before. Trent Bray had a good plan for him last year in Seattle. I think Trent Bray is probably the best defensive coordinator in the conference. Um, I think that they're. I think the Beavers are going to be ready. Well, I probably should mention. I, I, I'm. I'm working on a story on uh, on Ben Galbrinson. I talked to him yesterday for a while about his about this season and what he's gone through. And you know, after winning seven games last year, he's pretty much you know been idled. Um, he had a lot of thoughts. He, he was pretty. He was pretty thoughtful. I thought. Um, so hopefully, people will enjoy that. Yeah, really looking forward to that one, Nick. Glad you're able to get some time with with Ben. Ben Goldbrinson obviously was um, a great story a year ago, and was exactly the player the Beavers needed in a moment they really needed him. So um, it'd be good to hear from Ben. All right. Well, for Nick Dashell, uh, I'm Bill Orem. Thank you as always for listening to the Oregonian Sports Podcast. We sure have a lot of fun coming on here and talking to you guys, uh, especially when there's so much going on. The stakes are so high. There's great football uh, happening. You know, Oregon State basketball, by the way, is underway. Both the men and women are undefeated. Oregon State men uh, won in overtime again last night. Nick Dashell, you were there. Yeah, one o'clock right? on Saturday too. One o'clock. At- they're in Nebraska in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, at the Pentagon. So that's their. Yeah, right. know, they um, they look good in overtime in the first in the first half. Of boy, that second half was rough. I mean, they, it wasn't. I guess it wasn't rough. They just missed a lot of open shots, and so, but uh, they won. So. Well, that ultimately is what matters, especially for a program that won how many games two years uh, ago? Trace. Yeah, so they're there right now, three and zero. So uh, they they are on pace to be better yet again. Okay, I've tried to sign off seventeen times. I'm going to actually do it successfully this time. Nick Dashwell, thank you very much for your time. It is always a pleasure. It's going to be a lot of fun rolling down to Corvallis with you on Saturday morning uh, at nine a.m. to get to Squirrels or somewhere else to watch or, or to watch. Excuse me, Montana, Montana State go Grizz forever. Cat Grizz, not Grizz Cat, not the Brawl of the Wild. It is the cat grizz game and i'm sure looking forward to it uh look forward to talking to you all next week as well thank you for supporting the oregonian and oregon live continue reading those stories send us your questions uh by text and we'll be back next week going into the uh maybe maybe the biggest oregon oregon state game ever chew on that for the next week take care